Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Hello, and welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. My name is Michelle Beck. I am a two-time nine-year survivor of breast cancer. I work at the nonprofit in Oregon called Breast Friends, ensuring women do not go through cancer alone. And I'm a sometimes author when I have time at my blog and all over the place called I Never Liked Pink. Today is super exciting for many reasons, but I wanted to start off with that we're filming or recording this on February 2nd, 2022. This show, this podcast, back then we called it a radio show, started February 5th. 2016. So this is our six-year anniversary week of this show, which I find is spectacular in this day and age. We started off when things like this weren't super, you know, busy. You know, there weren't a lot of shows like this around. And now there are over 3 million podcasts I learned a few weeks ago, which is crazy. But we have made it for six years with inspiring educational shows and wonderful guests like I have today, Jill Anderson. But I just wanted to give out props to our founders of Breast Friends, Sharon Hennepin and Becky Olson, who started the show and had the wherewithal to think, hey, this is something that's really needed. And it has just been a pleasure to continue it on. So I'm very lucky and very thankful. But today, my guest is Jill Anderson, as I mentioned. She's a trauma recovery coach, and she's a she's a return guest. She was back on with me in July 14th last year, and we talked about kind of an overview of trauma and the emotions that come with it and how we're supposed to deal with that. But today, we're going to dig deeper into that and really talk about something that I don't really hear about too often, but I know so many people suffer with is feeling guilt after you are diagnosed with cancer. Like this is not something we did to our bodies. It it happens for whatever reason. It, it Cancer has no desire for race, creed, color, whatever. Everyone gets it and through no fault of our own, but we don't know how to, most of us to move forward and forgive ourselves which seems kind of like, oh, well, that should be simple, but it's it's really not. I know so many women, especially who suffer from guilt of the what they went through, the what it's caused their families, themselves, and also some survivor's guilt. So there's so much packed into this today. So I'm so glad that Jill is here to work through this. And this week, Jill is also a sponsor of our show. So please take a listen. She's she's truly amazing at what she can do. And um, she can work virtually, which is wonderful. So please go check out her website at jillandersoncoaching.com. So Jill, let's get started. Welcome back. And for those who were not here last time, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Hi, thank you, Michelle. And thank you again for having me on the show. Yes. Um, I'm Jill Anderson. I'm a trauma recovery coach. I live in Newburgh with my husband of 30 years and our teenage son. I, I love living in Oregon and all that that entails. Um, I also love being a coach. We all have these events that come along and disrupt our lives and cancer can definitely be one of them. Mm-hmm. We weren't given a choice as to how these events showed up in our life. But as we, we do have a choice in how we put those pieces back together. And as a coach, I work with both adults and teens, and I love, love being part of that healing process. I definitely, I did not work with a trauma coach, but a few years ago when 
gosh, it's been about six, seven now, my oldest stepson moved in with us and we started going to family therapy because we had a lot of issues going on. And just for the time that we went there, it's so helpful to talk to someone outside of the situation because my husband and I did not have the skills to really get through what we needed to at the time. And so a a coach or a therapist can just really help with these issues. So highly recommend for everyone, no matter what you're going through, because honestly, right now we are all going through trauma in this pandemic and fingers crossed, you know, the the, flatten the curve in two weeks. Now, two years later, let's hope it's going to be over soon. (laughs) But if not, you are here to help people on so many levels. But how, so I just mentioned that we had gone to therapy. How is trauma coaching different than general I went to see a counselor or a therapist. Yeah, yeah, great question. And, you know, there's there's so much stigma around the topic of mental health. And I love that that is becoming so much more prevalent as that people are talking about it because everybody needs help. They need someplace they can go to talk. And the simplest explanation about the difference between a therapist and trauma recovery coaching is that therapy generally focuses on events from our past and Coaching works more on what's happening in the present moment and then moving forward. So whether that's limiting beliefs, maladaptive behaviors, which are just simply things that we've done over time that no longer serve our highest good. So it's an opportunity to really look at what we're doing and how we want to be while we're doing that. Does that make sense? Oh, completely. But And can you also define what what trauma is? Because it's a word we throw around a lot, but I think it has a lot of components to it that some people are just really not familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. There's what we call the big T traumas, which are war, natural disaster, violent crimes. And then there are the little T traumas, which can be a lot of things, car car crashes, sports injuries, divorce, childhood experiences, and a cancer diagnosis can be traumatizing. And my favorite definition comes from Peter Levine, and he defines trauma as the nervous system's response to an event and not necessarily the event itself, meaning you can have multiple people go through a similar event and not all of them are going to be traumatized. So my focus is on helping clients restore a natural rhythm to their nervous system so they can be present in the here and now. Got it. Okay. So, and you've mentioned Peter before in our discussions, he has a book that you recommend, correct? Yes. Yes. He has a couple of them, but one of them is called Waking the Tiger, which is really about healing and and what that journey is like and that it's, you can't go back and change what happened or what has happened, but you can become aware of how you're responding to it and choose to respond differently. Got it. Now let's talk about the emotions that come with the traumas that we're experiencing in our lives, whether it's the big T or the little T. And I'm, I'm sitting here going, how come cancer is not a big T? <laughs> yeah, I'm, um, yeah I, I don't, I'm not making the distinction. Yeah, I know. For some people, you know, for some people, what is a big T is different than what's a little T. But generally, mm-hmm. when you read literature about trauma, sure. they'll, they'll describe those as, as the big T traumas. So would our current pandemic be a big T because it's really affecting everyone? You know, I haven't heard what, you know, what it would be considered. And I don't want to be the, the arbiter <laughs> of, of what's a big T. Um, but the, the pandemic is definitely traumatizing to everyone because we've all been impacted, whether it's financially, our kids in school, out of school, jobs, the masks, the vaccines. It's just this trickle effect that, you know, like you said, it was going to be 
10 days or two weeks to flatten the curve. And here we are two weeks or two years later, mm-hmm. still reeling from it. Yeah. It finally actually affected my house two weeks ago. My, my 10 year old son got it and he tested positive right away. I, I know this sounds crazy, but I, I had all the symptoms and I tested negative twice, but I was right there with him in the trenches. And then we were, we were fine. My oldest stepson got it, moved in with us for, for a week so he could quarantine in our guest room. And I'm finally being able to back it back in my office. This was quarantine wards. So I'm like, yay, I'm, I'm over that. So we're, we're over it for now. But um, sorry, I totally sidetracked us. Let's get back to the emotions of, <laughs> of trauma and what that can do to us for the, sure. just our, our mental health and our day-to-day emotions. Yeah, emotions are, they're, they're information. They're telling us something about ourselves or our situation. So if we're feeling angry, it's telling us something needs to change. If we're feeling sad, it's a loss of something or someone that we cared about. Emotions are signals from the body that we need to keep going towards in the case of joy or change if we're angry. But first, we have to be aware. And that's what's that's what I work on with my clients is just becoming aware of what they're feeling and that they don't have to act on it. And is this because of signals they're getting from their body? They can feel the emotions. Sometimes like when you're angry, you can just feel it in your core and you're just tight or, or is it more of a mental chemical thing? Well, it's a, it's a bit of both. Okay. And you know, there's um, there's the difference between an emotion and a feeling and it's an important distinction because only 20% of our feelings are from what's happening in the moment. So that means that 80% of what you're thinking and feeling are really emotions. And again, emotions are information. They're associated with reactions that are activated from neurotransmitters in the brain. So these are not conscious decisions. And feelings are the conscious experience of the emotional reaction. So my favorite example is you're watching a commercial on TV that makes you cry. That's the emotional reaction. You didn't plan on crying. How you feel about crying, it may be surprised, like, well, where did that come from? And maybe you're embarrassed, depending on who's in the room. But it's important to remember, again, that our emotions and feelings are just information. So when people said, you know, react in a big way, and they go, well, I was really mad. If they just take that pause think about, okay, so I'm mad. What else could I do? Now, it's funny. You mentioned like crying at a commercial. There there are certain, um, we, we kind of fast forward through all the commercials, but there are certain TV shows, say, that I watched 10 years ago where a main character was killed off brutally and I bawled and he was just on another show recently and it made me tear up again because I was still so sad and emotional about that. <laughs> And my husband's like, you really need to let that go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we can feel all of our emotions and not have to act on them, but we do want to complete them, which is what is that? I've I've never heard that expression before. Um, Completing an emotion allows us to to move all the way through it. And the best ways to complete emotions are go for a walk, laugh with a friend, cry. Crying is an amazing release. And a book that I love to recommend is called Burnout. And it's by sisters Amelia and Emily Nagoski. Oh, yes. And I love Emily Nagoski. I have her book. Um, oh, gosh. About women's sexuality. Can't think of what it's come as you are. Yes. Yes. yes mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they talk about a metaphorical version of emotions as a tunnel. And I love this because it's great imagery. 
And emotions have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And exhaustion happens when we get stuck in an emotion. And sometimes the more difficult emotions of rage, grief, and despair, they might be too big to work through alone. And so sometimes we need help, you know, to find our way out of this metaphorical tunnel. And this is where a therapist or a coach can come in. And self-compassion and forgiveness are what's found along the way. So what, how do you define forgiveness? Oh, forgiveness is a huge topic. It's, it's so easy sometimes to just say, you know, okay, I forgive that. But it's an intentional, deliberate process that takes a lot of time. And forgiveness is one of the most powerful choices we can make. At some point in our lives, we're all going to experience disappointment, heartbreak, or illness of some kind. And forgiveness is the decision on how to move on. It doesn't condone anyone's behavior. It's just how do we move on in peace? And it's complicated and very personal. And there are multiple levels of forgiveness. And quite often you hear someone say, I will not forget, but I do forgive you. <laughs> because there, it's, it's, you know, if, if you're disappointed or you're hurt or something like that, it's okay to remember, but I, like you said, the forgiveness is the ability to move forward and move on because if you don't, you're, you're only hurting yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And you want to, you know, it's, it's a beautiful concept, forgiveness, you know, and just to say those words and, and yet it's, it's so complex that, you know, you can't just say, you know, fine, I forgive you, I move on, or I forgive myself, or, um, you know, whatever the situation was. It, it's really something that is needs to be contemplated and look at what you're forgiving and who you're forgiving and why you're forgiving. And, and all of those, you know, which we'll get into a little bit later, have, have to do with self-forgiveness, which is another, another level all by itself. And personally or friends that I've talked with about this, I don't think that too many people actually think about self-forgiveness. We, we generally, on the day-to-day, -day, we think about it in the context of someone doing something to us, or we felt something happened to us. And so, we forgive that action, or we forgive that person. And so many times, there are things that are going on in our own bodies, in our own lives, but we don't take the time to forgive ourselves. And if there's something going on like that, it's it's... You just have those emotions that are bottled up inside you and you can't move forward because it's still sitting there. Whatever happened in your body or in your brain or whatever that is going on and you need to work on yourself, it just sits there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's so important to have conversations. And I think that's what's really missing in our society today is people need a place that they can talk about you know, these, these feelings that are coming up without being judged. And at the same time, when, you know, as a society, we all want to be safe. And when people talk about scary things like a cancer diagnosis, it scares mm -hmm. them. And so it's hard to talk about. Completely understand that. Now, I don't know if you mentioned this earlier, but we've talked about this before. There are different levels to forgiveness. Can you kind of go into that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this work comes from Eileen Barker, who is a cancer survivor herself, and she describes three levels. So there's forgiveness of others, self-forgiveness. And the third is sometimes a little bit tricky because sometimes there's actually nothing to be forgiven. <laughs> and so that's a, 
you know, that's something that, again, has to be sorted out because we want someone to blame or something. And sometimes there isn't that someone or that something. Wow. Okay. That, that's going to take a lot of discussions. So we do need to take a quick break here. So we're going to do that now a little bit early. So, because I, I don't want to interrupt the talking about the levels in depth. So remember friends, please stay with us. But if you would like to make a donation to breast friends to ensure that no woman goes through cancer alone, please go to our website and there's a donate button or text BF radio to 41444. And if you or someone you love needs our help, please go to patient programs on our website and see what Breast Friends can do for you. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Hello, I'm Michelle Beck, and my guest today is Jill Anderson, trauma recovery coach, and we are talking about forgiveness. Before break, we Jill had kind of just defined the three levels of forgiveness for us, others, ourselves, and the ethereal, like, well, there might not be something to forgive, but we still have these emotions. So can you kind of, let's tear those apart a little bit. Let's talk about forgiving others. Yeah, yeah. Forgiving others has to do with well, let, let's back up a little bit. Okay, whatever about. order you want to do them in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, first, why, you know, forgiveness is important is that as we move through life, we adopt these coping mechanisms and our brain tries to reconcile, like I was saying earlier. Our, our brain will try to, to put these things into categories and we need someone to blame. And in an attempt to displace our pain, that's how we do that. 
we take our pain and we move it and go, okay, well, this happened because this, this happened. So therefore it's not my fault. And that's what we're looking for is we're looking for that, that form of absolution is that I don't know what happened and I'm afraid. And ultimately blame doesn't work and it only ends up reinforcing our pain. And this is where all those emotions and feelings, which give us information are so important. Mm-hmm. Once we can you know, feel what we're feeling and sort it out, we can start to forgive but the, you know, the gift is first to forgive ourselves. And in the context of cancer, self-forgiveness is essential in finding peace. And many people blame themselves for getting cancer. And self-forgiveness includes all the things that you did or didn't do that may have brought that cancer on. And you need to forgive your body for not doing what you wished it would have done. Um, forgiveness is a process. Or, you know, and those that have worked through it are, are so generous in their sharing. So I'm, I think I'm answering your question, but yes. So I just kind of what I went through. I, I'm a, I'm a two timer. I had cancer um, diagnosed in 2012. My left breast lumpectomy, radiation, all those things, and I wasn't, you know, it 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 was crappy. Of course, you know, cancer is never a fun thing. And, but I just kind of moved on at that point. And then I was diagnosed again four years later. And then I was angry because I was like, what, what, why was, you know, and I blamed myself because at the time I did not have a bilateral mastectomy, which I had always said I would beforehand because I have a family history. My grandmother passed from metastatic breast cancer and I watched her pass and I was like, I'm never going to go through this. But when it came down to it, I didn't make that choice the first time around because my son was young. I wanted it to be easy. I just wanted to move forward. But then I really did blame myself and I was angry at myself. And it it took me a long time to realize that the choice that I made at that time was the right choice for me. And it doesn't do any good to blame myself, hold those negative emotions and for me, it happened for a reason because for me, my second diagnosis is what brought me to the new path in my life right now to be a, an advocate, to host this podcast, to be working on a book and to be able to spread the, the knowledge of wonderful people like you. So I I was able to work through it on my own, but it was not an easy process for sure. Do, um, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's there. There's so much to it. And like you just said, it's, it, it's something that we have to work through on, on our own. And, and like I had just mentioned, there are people who have gone through the process like yourself, who's now reaching out to help others. And, you know, the, the generosity of people who have gone through this to say, hey, this is what, what worked for me. You know, here's here's an example. And Ryan Howes is a clinical psychologist and an author who developed what he calls the four elements of forgiveness. And he's just another example of that generosity in, hey, this is something to try. Give it give it a read. And yeah, he has these four elements and they they sound simple on the surface, but like many things in life, they're they're multifaceted. So I want to get back to that, but I, but first I want to go back to the, how do we forgive something that we don't know what it is or who was to blame or, or like in the case of cancer, there was no one to blame. What are we supposed to do with that? That is 
the 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 trick of all time and i i wish that there was a a magic button or magic words that could fill that but it's really finding purpose it's finding what we have control over you know what can we control we didn't invite cancer into our life we didn't invite any of these other events that would be considered big t little t traumas but they're here and we have to deal with it. So it's how we choose to deal with it and how we choose to move forward. And in your case, you chose to get involved with something that made you feel like this is purposeful. I am helping others. And that is a step in the direction of growth, post-traumatic growth. And that's where you can make sense of something that's been so senseless. Well, and it's also wonderful for me because when I, in my prior career, I was a chief, I was a paralegal, first of all, and then a chief level executive assistant. And I was working 24 seven for, for great people, but it wasn't, I wasn't contributing anything to the world other than companies making money and my boss's lives easier. And I, I struggled with that a little bit. And and I made a good salary. I had a good life. And then I became a stay-at-home mom, which was the best and hardest career ever. But, and now I'm doing this, which I love. It holds my heart. I'm never going to become wealthy on it. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that my husband works really hard for us, but this is something that fills my heart so much. So I, I've taken that cancer, forgiven my body for what it, for having the cancer, but also my body is strong enough that it holds me up every day and it's still here. And while my body has changed and I've gained weight and I've got scars and all of these things, it's still my body and it's keeping me here and it's keeping me alive. And I'm so grateful for that. So I, I've definitely learned, but it, it's not an easy process for sure. But can you talk about from your perspective as a coach, why is forgiveness so important? Well, like I was mentioning, forgiveness is important because it's what allows us to step forward and and release. And when we can when we can make sense of what seems senseless, and that's what our brain really wants to do. Our brain has basically one job, and that's to keep us safe. And if we're not safe because we've had a cancer diagnosis, we've had any other number of events occur, then we're stuck in that. I don't know what to do. I don't know why this happened. And so did I do something? And so forgiveness begins with ourself first. And it's just this amazing gift that allows us to be both and instead of I'm either healthy or I'm sick or I'm this or I'm that. We can be both. We can be both and, which opens up tremendous possibility. And it gives us that ability to be both going through something and discovering more about ourselves. So it, there's no simple answer, and I wish I could. I wish I could give you something like that, but it's it's really a the journey. It's about the journey. So there are no like easy twelve steps to self forgiveness. Well, you know there are. Like I said, there's there not a program. A of, yeah, there there are a lot of processes, but there's there's no um, one twelve step program. But like I was saying, Ryan House developed what he calls the four elements. So mm-hmm. I can explain those to you. Yes, and please. like I said, they sound simple, but they're express the emotion, understand why, rebuild safety, and then let go. So when we've been 
when we've been hurt or angered by someone's actions, those feelings need to be felt and expressed. So this is kind of breaking those, those mm-hmm. down. Um, if it's not safe to do so, if it's not safe to express, you know, hey, you really hurt me when you did, you know, X, Y, or Z. If it's not safe to do that with that person, then you can, you can do it to an empty chair. You can talk to your coach, to your therapist. You can write a letter that you may or may not ever send. Any way you can get those words out, because when you can get the words out of your brain, down your arm and onto a piece of paper, it helps alleviate that. And it's not, it doesn't always fully take away the hurt, but it is a really good start. Well, I think too, if you're actually taking the time to sit down and focus on figuring out what you're, what you're angry about or what you're sad about or what you need to forgive and just taking that time to sit and think, that's a positive start to anything because many of us don't take any time like that for ourselves to think about anything because we're so busy moving through our days. Um, my guest who's going to be on next week, uh, her name's Dr. Michelle Cambolis and she's a mind body um, coach and really works on mantras and breathing and meditation and gratitude. And I have started keeping a gratitude journal. I look at it every night before I get into bed. I'm like, okay, I need to sit and, and, and do this because taking just that little bit of time for myself and focusing on that has really helped. So I imagine this, you know, the same thing, forgiveness, the expressing the emotions is, is part of that. You're just expressing and validating those feelings. Yeah, absolutely. And the the beautiful thing, especially about keeping a gratitude journal, is that what you're doing is also training your brain. And your brain will actually start looking for, okay, I know tonight we're going to sit down, or I'm going to have to come up with, you know, three things you're grateful for, or however many you want to come up with. And your brain will start looking for those throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's really a beautiful way to, you know, create the, create the reality that we want to see because that's what we're doing. And by writing those down, it reinforces, yeah, okay, there is all this going on in the world and there's all this beauty. So there's that still that beautiful both and, mm-hmm. and being able to have that perspective of looking for what are the things I want to see? Because if we want to see brown, we're going to go find brown. If we want to see, you know, all the bad in the world, we can go see it. Mm-hmm. And it's not pretending that it's not happening. It's just not making that our sole focus. We can know that that's going on and take care of ourselves. And going back to, you know, the self-forgiveness, it's finding out, you know, why. Sometimes we need our why of why mm-hmm. this happened. And that's because, the second element, right? Yeah. Yeah. And our brains like to make meaning and the, this creates order. And when there's no order, there's, there's chaos. Oh, I don't like chaos. I like order. (laughs) Everything has to be in its place and ordered. And I I have lists, my clothes are in color order in my closet. Like things, things have to have a place and order. So for me, any kind of chaos gives me anxiety. So if something is out of order, I need to know the why. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, our brains like to make meaning. And even if it was a truly random event, and this kind of gets into that, what if there's nothing to forgive? Even if it's a truly random event, we know that we didn't, we didn't do anything to deserve that. So it's, it's just the sorting and it's allowing your time, your brain to have the time to sit 
and kind of sort through all of that information. And it's when we can take that time, that's when we can start going, oh, okay, now I can see this. We can see if there's a pattern. We can, we can look at, you know, oh, I wished I would have started eating better earlier. You know, I've cleaned up my diet now. I've cut all the sugar. I've done all these things. I feel amazing, you know, and it, it's not, I wish I would have done this. You know, it's not because you didn't do this earlier, but it's helping you now. So it's making it's making sense of the the unsenseless, I guess. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it and really you cannot go back and beat yourself up for the past. The past is the past. You cannot change it. You accept it for what it's for and then move forward. And that's I think what all of these steps are about. But one thing is super important, which you mentioned, I think is the third step is rebuilding the safety. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, yeah. Well, we can never be 100% safe. We can take every reasonable effort to make sure this isn't going to happen again. Mm -hmm. It's getting clear on what we know for sure and being curious about the parts we're unsure of. This is where we can go learn something. We can go talk to someone. We can, you know, talk this out. We can learn a new skill. We can learn how to cook differently. Um, and, you know, underneath all of that safety is having a great support system, you know, for no matter what happens, yep. knowing that we have people that we can count on and safety comes down to um, safety is really important. And there's the, the somatic safety and somatics is of the body. And so how you feel safe in your body and you can do that with lots of different techniques, you know, you can. You can scan your room that you're in right now and let your eyes fall to something that's really pleasant. And you can just keep your eyes there and then just notice, how does that make you feel inside? And a lot of times people might say, well, oh, it makes me feel warm or it makes me feel safe. You know, and those are the words that we're looking for. And so that when we're in a moment when, oh, I feel anxious or, oh, I feel nervous, we can go back to that, that feeling of warmth and safety because our brain doesn't know the difference between an actual event and a perceived event, which is why you can walk into a situation and go, oh, my gosh, I feel like I'm back at that, that other thing. Mm -hmm. And so when we can, you know, pendulate back and forth between, okay, I remember what it feels like to be safe. And from there, we can then make different decisions than if we're making them from a nervous place. So that bringing that that happy thing to focus on, it really brought me downstairs in my family room. I have a, this is going to sound so silly, but it makes me happy. I have a Scentsy wax melt thingy um, that, you know, gives off, it smells beautiful, but it's in the shape of, it's from Haunted Mansion from Disney. <laughs> and I bought it in October and I put it out and it made me happy. I had it on every day, but I didn't put it away. And my husband's like, well, it's now Christmas and that's still up and it's now February and that is still up and it's Halloween. I'm like, no, this is from a happy place in my world. I'm a huge Disney fan. I love the Haunted Mansion and I'm going to keep it out year round because, well, it smells good. It's fun, but literally it brings me back to a happy place because whenever I am at Disney, I'm happy. And so all I have to do is look at that and think of the fabulous times I've had there and it helps. And, you know, that that may not be what you're talking about, focusing on something, but that's what works for me. <laughs> no, that's exactly it. It's it's that you can be you can be anywhere out in the world, Michelle, and 
start to feel, you know, anxious or start to feel anything. And in your mind's eye, you can go right to that haunted mansion and go, oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Like when I, if I'm having a really bad day, I can just geek out on thoughts of my my son, you know, as, as a little child. Like, you know, I can see him all the way from birth to where he is now. And, and that just makes me feel such a sense of, um, of peace and calm. And so, yeah, it's, it's being able to tap into that when you want to. And then from there go, okay, now I can make a decision. Yes. So let's talk about the final step in the process, which it's, it's a phrase that we use way too often. Let it go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What does that mean in terms of the four elements? Well, and, it, and this is, you know, again, it's so personal and healing and forgiveness are never linear and no one can tell you when it's time to let go. The, the journey to this decision is a conscious one and you have to go through the, you might have to go through those, those same stages of expressing the emotion, rebuilding safety more than once. And so it's being able to go to that place in your mind's eye and saying, I'm okay and that's how you just get closer to letting go. It's a process. Got it. And while you're saying that, all I can think of is let it go, let it go. Yes. Thank you, Frozen. Uh, I never thought I would actually sing on my podcast, but there you go. Uh, <laughs> I know we have more to talk about, but we are going to take another quick break, Jill. So stay with us. Listeners, I want to remind you, if you would like to be my guest or submit a warrior story of what has inspired you after cancer or how your life has changed for the better since your cancer diagnosis, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Hello, I'm Michelle Beck. My guest is Jill Anderson, and we have been talking about forgiveness 
for ourselves, for others, but it's a really difficult journey sometimes after cancer. And Jill has been giving us some great steps for that. Before break, we talked about the final part of the four elements, which was letting it go. Sorry. You're welcome, everybody out there. Uh, (laughs) Jill, I know... um, Listeners, if you have time, grab a pencil and a piece of paper right now because you're going to want, I'm going to have Jill relist all the amazing authors that she has spoken about, whether it's Peter and Ryan and, and all of them. So, um, Jill, could you kind of give a, a recap of the all the amazing books and stuff that you've talked about in this episode so far? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Dr. Peter Levine and um, along with Ryan Howes, that's H-O-W-E-S. There's Amelia and Emily Nagoski. Um, Pima Chodron is amazing with her work. And so is Dr. Susan David. There, there are so many. Um, another one I mentioned was Eileen Barker. Mm-hmm. And she has a beautiful workbook on forgiveness, as well as a meditation CD that is just incredible to listen to. And I forgot to mention, she also wrote an article about, you know, here's another process. And again, these people who have gone through and and found themselves on the other side of forgiveness are so generous about sharing. And Eileen Barker wrote about five keys to unlocking the the healing power of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And everyone has their own process. And I just, you know, wanted to share with, share as many as I could with the listeners and no one single process is going to work for everyone but it helps being able to navigate off of other people's maps, if you will, Mm -hmm. that have had their own journey. And you can include those into your journey any way you can. So what are the keys from Eileen Barker, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are those? Yeah. The first is to reclaim your identity. Medical appointments and treatments can take over your life. And it's important to stay connected with who you truly are. And the second is be conscious of your thoughts and your own story. And writing down your story can help you sort out, you know, where you start to blend facts and interpretations because our mind holds great power and we can start to believe everything we think. And so we really want to write that down and be aware of what we're, what's true and what are the parts that we're filling in. Mm-hmm. Writing has um, helped me a huge part in, in figuring out what I went through for cancer and all the different things I've learned. So hundred percent, a huge proponent of that. Yeah, absolutely. And the third is to notice who you blame and for what, and this goes back to self-forgiveness for your body, maybe forgiving the medical profession for not offering better solutions. And her fourth key is she calls it feel it to heal it. And this is releasing that toxic energy of those emotions, whether your anger is directed at others at yourself at God or the universe Anger and blame can lock you in an emotional prison and practicing forgiveness helps unlock that door. And the last one is finding the gifts and the lessons that have come from having cancer. If you're willing to consider the possibility, um, you may be discovered, may be amazed at what you discover. And Eileen Barker, she found the following gifts through cancer and she took more time for herself. Mm -hmm. She learned to say no to the things that she didn't want to do. And the big one was she learned to really accept love, to really receive it from others. And that is a huge, huge blessing and gift. For one thing that it really did for me, it taught me to accept help because I have always, I I didn't meet my husband until I was 36 and I was very self-sufficient on my own, supported myself, 
took care of all my household stuff. Like I, I did it all because I didn't, I was strong and I didn't need any help. But then going through cancer twice with a young child and, um, and four older stepkids and my husband and dogs, like I needed help. And that was really hard for me to ask and accept. But once I realized, okay, this is something that I need to do and it's okay because there are people that want to help you and they, they're your, your friends and your family, they want to be there for you. And when you lower down your, your guard and your pride and say, yes, please, I need the help. It, it opens yourself up to so many more wonderful things. And so that's, that's what it taught me. Yeah, there's, there, you know, with, with any situation, there are the gifts and, you know, it's being able to kind of work through that and all these different steps along the way and the people that are there to help you. So it's really redefining our reality and creating it in a more powerful way, perhaps, um, than, it, than it was before. But it's, it's how do we get to that felt sense of safety? Super important. So what about if there's, there's something going on literally in the moment and you, you just can't calm down? You, you don't have, what, what are some techniques or tips to kind of stay calm in the moment? Ooh, you know, the easiest one that is always with you and it doesn't require anything is your breath. And it's always coming back to the breath. And one of the, one simple way to kind of trick your brain is if you take a deep inhale into, you know, a count of five, just take a longer exhale out. And it really slows the nervous system. And it's, it's gentle to the nervous system. And the other one that's kind of goofy, but it's really fun, is you take your, your left hand, you put under your right armpit, and then your, um, your arm, put your other arm on your, over here. And this is the felt sense of a hug. And, you know, like, kids, mm-hmm. little kids, grandkids love this because you can just kind of, like, squeeze in. So you can even do it while you're at the stoplight if, you know, you're not mm-hmm. moving. And, and it just gives you that felt sense of a hug, mm-hmm. which is calming again to the nervous system because that's what's driving that anxiety in the moment. That's what's driving that fear is. And so it's being able to tap back into, you know, like we were talking earlier, that picture in your mind's eye of what makes you happy and calm. And you always have those tools with you. So I remember at, at some point, I don't know if it was for sleep or what, but I learned about box breathing and the, you know, inhale, hold it over, exhale down, you know, over, up and down. And I've also done the, well, like you said, the, the deep inhale and then the slower exhale. And I'm, I'm doing it and I know how to do it. My brain is always like, there's not enough oxygen to do the longer exhale. <laughs> so mentally, I, I always have problems with that one, but it does work. <laughs> it, it does. And the, the trick there, and this is kind of the hard part also, is that if you do these in calm moments, practice that when you're calm, it's much easier to do when you're having a rough moment. Because if you just try to pull it out in a rough moment, you're going to go, I don't have enough oxygen. There's not enough air. And so it's, you know, it's, it's building that muscle. It's getting the brain used to, oh, that's right. Because it wants to go to what it knows. And so it'll, it'll know to go to, oh, this is soothing and relaxing. But it does take time. Everything takes time. It's, it's a process. I love, I love the self hug though. Like it's, it's, and really just we're, we're both, we're both sitting here doing it and I'm like, Oh, I like that. That feels nice. (laughs) And I imagine that's the same um, 
thought as a weighted blanket because it's it's giving you the security of feeling comforted by some pressure around your body. Exactly, exactly. And there, you know, everybody has different ways that they like to. Um, but one of the easiest things is you can always have you know your five senses. What can you what can you see? What can you touch? What can you hear? What can you smell or taste? And of those five senses, which is your favorite way to to sense? And for some people, it may be, you know, touch. Like they love the feel of their soft blanket. They love the feel of a coffee mug in their hand. And it's being aware, again, of how that makes you feel inside. And then you just want to expand on that in calm moments so that you can tap back into it in moments of, of anxiety. I love that, just feeling the five senses to figure out what works best for you in that moment. Um, Holding the coffee cup in the morning when I wake up is just my favorite part of the day. Um, I mean, I have other good parts, but I'm a slow morning waker. And that ritual of just holding the warm coffee cup in my hands. (laughs) Yesterday, I had two dogs in my lap, and I have big dogs. And my black lab, he loves to literally have his face up next to mine. He puts his paws on my chest and literally he got me without warning. And I was holding my coffee cup right at my chest and he hit it. And I, Thankfully, it wasn't hot anymore. And I spilled half my coffee literally down my robe, my pajamas. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> but so that, that, that one took a little bit of a downturn. But, you know, I was back at it today with my morning cup and it made me happy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And it is, it's those routines, mm-hmm. you know, and the, again, the brain doesn't know the difference between a perceived event and an actual event. So if you have that strengthened moment of, I love my morning coffee. And even if something disrupts it, it doesn't take away from, oh, I don't love my morning coffee anymore. It just adds to it and it adds some humor and joy, mm-hmm. which is, is, is part of life. We all need that because that's what leads us to that, that's what leads us through forgiveness and leads us to purpose so is there i know you said there's there's not really steps there's the key there's keys or there's elements but is there kind of a simplified process to forgiveness there is there is and it really it starts with having a support network it starts with having an intention of what you want and then all of the steps in between are going to look so different for everyone. So I've thrown out a lot of different information today for people to kind of have some ideas of where they can go. But it really starts with being intentional. And when circumstances aren't ideal, you know, how can we find that purpose? Got it. And we've talked about this earlier. You mentioned it a few times. How does joy factor into forgiveness? Mm, yeah. During um, hard times, our brain goes into conservation mode. So fun and the things we enjoy just kind of get pushed aside. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. When those are actually the things we really need to lean into, because that's where we find that purpose. That's where we find that meaning. You know, oh, I love spending time with my friends. I love getting involved with breast friends because it's, it's healing and helpful. I, I had, a you know, we're, like I said earlier, we're all living busy lives right now. And it's especially hard for many to find that joy because we're, we're closeted at home. We're not seeing a lot of people still. And yes, I do get joy from everything in my household, but it's the same day after day. It's like Groundhog Day. 
And so my my moment of joy yesterday was I had a breakfast with a friend for an hour. And it wasn't like we talked about anything super fun. We were sharing what was going on in our lives. and But just having that connection with a girlfriend. And I did the same last week with another girlfriend. And we even tapped on shopping on the end of it. And I, I got to buy gifts for people and some fun things for me. And that brought me so much joy. It, you know, my husband's like, well, you're happy today. I'm like, I know I saw other people and I got to shop. <laughs> so it's just finding those moments that is are so important in our lives. Oh, even absolutely. in the hardest, even in the hardest of times. Yes, absolutely. And it's, you know, it, it's cliche because it's so true, but it's, it's the little things mm-hmm. that are so important. And those are the things that, like I said, when, when things get hard, we push aside. And so those are the things we need to bring back in and lean into. And yeah, retail therapy <laughs> is a lovely way to feel better. I bought this amazing book and um, I don't have it with me here on my desk, but it's, um, excuse my French, it's called Zen as Fuck. And it literally has all these amazing things in it that are not Zen whatsoever, but it's, it's, I've already sat and read through the whole thing. I need to start posting pages of it. But uh, you had mentioned earlier, we don't have a lot of time left, but I do want to talk about post-traumatic growth. So I imagine this is at the end of forgiveness and then you're moving forward. Let's, what is that? Yeah, exactly. On the other side of forgiveness is post-traumatic growth, which is simply making, like we were talking about earlier, it's making meaning out of something senseless. And this is growth. This growth is seen when people have a new understanding of themselves or restored or greater appreciation for life. And one of the biggest factors to post-traumatic growth is the strong support system and breast friends and other organizations that provide this for people going through cancer who know what they're doing. Um, that is, it is so essential and it's so meaningful. And I've just been so honored to be here with you today, Michelle. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jill. And on that note, we're about out of time. So can you please tell our listeners where they can find out more information about you and follow you in all the places? Yeah, absolutely. I am on Facebook, Jill Anderson Coaching, Instagram, LinkedIn, and gave my website, jillandersoncoaching.com. Perfect, Jill. Again, thank you so much. And I know that um, later this year, next year, we'll have you back again talking about something because you have such useful information that's so important. So thank you. Um, Listeners, if you or a loved one need our services, please visit our website, breastfriends.org to see what we can do for you and help to ensure that women do not go through cancer alone. You can make a donation to help us on our website or by texting BF Radio to 41444. Did I get that right? 41444. Also, to make a donation, our show is available across many platforms. You can find us here on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel or wherever you find your podcasts. Search Breast Friends or Michelle Beck, and we'll be there. If you would like to be a guest on our show or to send me your warrior story, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. I would love to hear from you. And we will be back next week. Until then, remember, we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.